Well, I return back from the outback to the sanctity of Melbourne, but we see signs of a reversal coming through in markets as market participants crave the Fed pivot. But are they misplaced? Could we start seeing FOMO come into the markets or could this get damn right nasty once again? We look at all these factors and more as we go into the trade-off. Well, hi there, my name is Chris Weston, Head of Research at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. We have an action-packed show for you today. There's lots going on. The tectonic changes of markets are changing as we see. Um, but with everything that's going on in markets, I think it's a really great time to, to, to assess where we are, the flows, the capital flows, the structures, all the setups that are encapsulating Blake and Mind's world. And of course, if you've got any, any issues that you want to share with us, any kind of views, any visions, do leave them in the comments field. We got a huge amount of comments last week and we thank you a lot from the bottom of our hearts for all of those uh, inputs that you have for into the community as well. Give us a like if you like the program, which you know you all do. Uh, anyway, I'm going to bring the great man into the program. Mr. Blake Morrow, how are you today, my sir? Wow, what's up, y'all, honky? Welcome back. Y'all fixing to do a good show here. Right, mate, I was out back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was pretty good actually. We, I didn't do any. I wasn't actually doing any uh, any riding, uh, any any rodeos. I think we'll leave that to, to people in your side of the world, buddy. But uh, um, we were mustering a few cattle, and and that was uh, interesting for a man with such subtle supple hands that's not used to to hard work. Uh, you know, it's good to get out there and uh, yeah, get a get a, get it going on. So yeah, good to be back into Melbourne. We've got good coffee. And uh, yeah, financial markets are, are where we are at the moment. So I think it's probably a good time to dissect all of these factors with you, Mr. Blake Morrow. Let's go into Topical Funder and see the big ticket items on front of mind. Well, I want to touch on sentiment. Go back on Tuesday, a couple of days ago, Blake, um, we saw a huge reversal coming from markets. If we look at the advanced decline line in the New York Stock Exchange, it's probably the highest it's been since in March 2020, we saw the put call ratio, which was above one uh, on the S&P put call ratio, absolutely collapsed. Hedges were wound off a little bit. We saw short covering coming through in droves. We saw real rates in in the US moving a little bit lower. Uh, But equities have flown. And and this is the precursor now that that we could get a sort of a a more FOMO-induced rally. I know we're going to touch on stocks in, in, as you can see, a couple of of, uh, uh, points lower. but it did feel like the market was searching out for something, maybe the, 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 this kind of uh, this idea of a pivot. Um, you know, if, but it was a significant session, in my opinion. Real rates were going down. People were looking at terminal rates. The dollar got absolutely whacked, although we're starting to find a few buys again. But this is the time that you, you kind of get this sense that we're getting closer to a bottom in risk, and, and we're finding buyers, value buyers are coming in. Yeah, growth's working a little bit better than value. I know we're looking for valuations to decline, and um, we're looking for earnings to be cut as the next shoe to drop. But yeah, how what are you? How are you reading the markets? Volatility, dollar plays, equities. It, you know, are you starting to find a little bit more of a constructive tone in this market? Well, we are, and uh, welcome back, by the way, Chris. Thanks, and I'm gonna. I, I couldn't. I couldn't keep up uh, any type of. Uh, hillbilly accent. Uh, No offense for those of you that might be a hillbilly. I did live in Texas for 13 years and I tried my best, but um, (laughs) I'll tell you, uh, (laughs) I'll tell you, as far as the markets go, I I think you're right. The market was, the market's really searching for something. They're they're just yearning for this, 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 uh, this fed pivot that everybody's searching for, but I don't know if we're quite there, but the market is trading like 
there's going to be one. Mm. I mean, we've we've got a couple of data points that might suggest economic data, especially employment, might start to weaken. Um, you know, when you take the ISM services data today, the the employment uh, the employment component came in slightly weaker uh, for wages. Um, but you know, I, I I still I'm not completely confident that this month is the month that we actually start to see NFP roll over and we start to see jobs come in weaker, which will then suggest the Fed's going to at least stop or pause. I mean, we what we saw the RBA this week. The I RBA. think that's, that's the pivot, isn't it? That is the pivot, isn't it? Yeah. Is when when yeah. they signal more... Con- I think the first stage of the pivot is, is, is a move to more conventional pace of hikes, like the RBA. They're the first bank to go down to 25 basis points. The market got excited. Could this be the litmus test that other central banks go down? The RBNZ, of course, then poo-pooed that situation by being really concerned about their, their currency weakness and, and, and you know, portraying further hikes, 50 basis points. Um, so yeah, look, absolutely. I think that that's the stage, the 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 cycle of to a pivot, which effectively sees them on hold. But it, they need to 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 say that they're coming down to a more conventional policy. But that's that's where we are, isn't it? That's that's the kind of the evolution of the of the pivot, so to speak. It is, and you know, uh, I'm gonna. It, that's gonna take us right into volatility, and 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 this is. I have to bring this up because. Volatility is now starting to slump, and we're, we're, we're seeing volatility back below the 30 handle. Um, y- you know, I expected, and I don't know about you, Chris, but when we were breaking down and we were we were trading below 3,600 in the S&P, I know you were out there with your, you know, soft hands on the ranch, <laughs> but I know you were, I know you were hurting cattle or cats or whatever you were hurtling, hurting. Cats are um, definitely cattle. Yeah, it wasn't cats, uh, but. I expected, really, I expected the VIX to trade up into a 40 handle, and it didn't. And it really, it, it failed to get above highs that we saw all year. We, we've seen higher levels in volatility this year, but we're at the lows of the year. And so I think that volatility, that lack of volatility in the S&P, the VIX index that everybody tends to follow, is something that we should be looking at. One of the other things that I wanted to point out that that is a counter to that because everybody's watching rates and everybody's watching what's happening with with gilts and 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 other bond markets the move index still suggests yeah. there is some risk in the market so that is something that I am concerned with but what do you make of this vix what do you, what do you make of the vix that hasn't penetrated new highs on the year even though stocks hit new lows well i think it's just a function of, of how the vix is calculated with the fixed fixed strike expiries uh, it doesn't really give me any edge if i was trading the s&p or the nasdaq or any you know obviously it's the 30-day implied volatility on the on the s&p but yeah i, I just don't think it gives you any edge uh, in trading the s&p at all so i think if you're trading the s&p stick to market internals as a sentiment guide um, you know, look at how far prices below the 50-day moving average. You know, number of companies, um, you know, making four-week lows, all those kind of factors. They they can give you some sort of idea about your risk reward, but I don't think the VIX gives you really any 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 kind of edge in trading that market whatsoever. So, look, it's an interesting one, but uh, yeah, I think if you look tra- if you're trading rates at the moment, rates volatility is still very high. The move index is is thematic that Treasury volatility is still still pretty high. Um, we're, we're pricing in about a 19 basis point move um, for payrolls. On that day, if you if you would look at straddles, um, so yeah, we're still expecting moves there. So yeah, I, I just don't look at the VIX uh, in that. I think it's quite misleading, um, and I don't think it really gives you a, a huge edge in, in that situation. So I still think we I'm can. Not, ex- I, I was just going to say, I'm not really looking for an edge. I look for confirmation. So you know, being that and, and going back to your sentiment, where where we're seeing an improvement in sentiment. 
The one thing I'd like to go hand in hand with that is yeah. is a, is a decrease in volatility, mm. which we're already getting. So, would you agree with that? Yeah, no, you do. But you know what? The, the, the most important thing with, for me, I know there's a lot of vol, vol traders out there who probably disagree with this. But one of the big things is the is is is, is volatility, semantic uh, semantics, and, and how that feeds into to new capital coming into the markets. And and for that, you look at realized volatility. So you could look at twenty or thirty day S and P realized volatility. And when that comes down to levels, then the volatility targeting funds will will increase capital into the equity market. So, you know, it's it's not just about the fix. It's for me, it's about actual realized volatility. That falls, you get volatility capital going into the market. So that, that to me, is probably the, the bigger one. Anyway, so talking about volatility, we want to look at payrolls because we talk about this pivot. The market is desperate, desperate or craving uh, for the Fed to come out and, and, and start that initiation to more conventional policy settings and then to, to lay off rate hikes going forward. And then sometime, maybe in late 23, maybe in 24, they, they, they bring back the Fed funds rate to a more neutral capacity. And that's where they were. They, they will cut, not necessarily because of, of bad situations, but because they need to take the policy setting out of restrictive into a more neutral setting. That's why they would be cutting. Um, but we've got payrolls on, uh, on Friday. Um, so what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for about two sixty on the payrolls, three three point seven percent on the uh, on the unemployment rate. Obviously, that's going to be dictated to by the participation rate. You've got earnings, which I think are really going to be important. The average hourly earnings expected at five percent to drop twenty basis points. There, there's a lot to focus on, Mr. Blake Morrow. A lot to focus on. Um, Obviously, the playbook is is increasingly diverse. We've got CPI next week, where the um, the market's expecting that to go to about eight percent. Core actually expected to go further up. Let's just stick with the payrolls number because that's the, the first primary objective. How how what do you firstly are you going to be positioned going into that? How do you think this all could go down? Where do you think the balance of risk lies for that number? Okay, well let's talk not, about not to unpack there. Sorry, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is good because. I'm actually already going in to this data with short dollars. And I've been playing short dollars for the last couple of days, which has worked out really well. I played the euro to the long side. I'm short. I mean, I'm long dollar Mexican pesos. So I'm short dollar Mex, dollar Norway, uh, short some dollar Rand. So I'm already playing into this. But going into the data, I think it's up in the air. Like I said, I'm very, the question mark is, and I'm not so even concerned about the, the the headline number. I mean, mm. yeah, we're looking for 250, 260,000 jobs. You know, I think it's could be 150 to 300. You know, that's going to be the range. Yeah. I'm really more concerned right now with the average hourly earnings. Yeah. And I want to see that, you know, see that number start to come down a little bit yeah. um, on a year over year, even month over month basis. Because if that moves, if that needle moves just slightly, that's going to be what really drives the market. But yeah. I plan on being not in a position. Yeah. I plan on being out of my dollar positions going into tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. afternoon, something like that. Yeah, I think. So, um, how about you? Yeah, look, I think if, if the, the participation rate is always key, but I think the market will forget that pretty quickly. If you were to see a situation where the participation rate falls, um, yeah, if we saw the unemployment rate pick up to say 3.8%, the market would love that, regardless of what happens with the participation rate. Of course, the economists are going to come out and go, oh, look, you know, this was a function of the you know, poor participation rates and, or, you know, this, you know, or, or, or high participation rate. Yeah, forget yeah. about that. The market cares about what the Fed cares about. And that is that they want to see a cooling of the labour market. And they'll really focus, therefore, on, on, on the, the unemployment rate. So if we get above 3.8%, I think the market would love that. And especially if we saw a low, a lower average hourly earnings, as you talk about, if we saw a forehandle on that, you know, the NASDAQ will absolutely go bonkers. I think, you know, and this comes into the retail, tra the retail trader. 
How can yeah. bad data be good for the equity market? Well, the Fed want a calling of the labour market to call off rates. That means we need to see softer unemployment. If an unemployment rate rises, I think the I think the Nasdaq's up. I think dollar comes off. Um, obviously, the you know what the great there. the great the great news is, Chris, is we are going to have the trade off next week just before the CPI data. So I know that's going to be one of our hot uh, uh, topics that we will be covering then. But yeah. let's turn it to the stock market. And let's just talk in generalities. You know, I always love it when I'm on um, Twitter or I'm on, you know, social media and I, I get these polls, Chris, like, yeah. you know, where's the next 10% going to be in yeah. the stock market? And I think this is a really interesting place we're at. I, I would call where we're at because we've had such an aggressive bounce. We're almost at a neutral area in equities. You know, equities were obviously getting very, very oversold. We are at 3,600. We're back at 3,800. The next 10% from here, it, it, it'll it mark two specific areas in the S&P. Now, you know, obviously, if you're trading, you know, NASDAQ, you might get a little higher beta or if you're trading the DAX or, you know, you, you could trade different markets. But I'm just going to talk about the S&P. 10% higher from here takes us back to the 200-day moving average, roughly. 10% hmm. lower from here completes that head and shoulder pattern that you and I have been talking about at nauseum the entire year. Right, we've been talking about eventually getting to 3,400 in the S&P, somewhere in that neighborhood. So my question to you is: Do we go? To, is it 10% higher from here or 10% lower from here? And I, I don't necessarily expect you to go higher or lower, but maybe we can break down what are the things that could make us go higher and what are the things that can make us go lower. What do you think? I think 10% um, to the upside is is going to be far harder than 10% to the downside. And 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 what causes us, I'm not saying it can't happen. And, and you know, I think yeah. short term, we could get you know, further follow through buying. Um, but I think 10% to the upside. And what causes the downside, I think that the one everyone's focused on, of course, is earnings. Uh, we're going into earnings season starting next week. JP Morgan come out later. Um, and and people are saying, not maybe for this year, but you know, for next year, the earnings, the earnings growth at 8% is just way too lofty when we're probably likely to see a soft recession or a shallow recession. It could be big. Who knows? But you know, an eight percent earnings growth into a recession just seems absolutely crazy. So everyone's expecting earnings for next year to come down. When that, when those earnings are cut, we don't know. But you know, that, that's when it is. And then, of course, valuation changes. So that that that's the one everyone expects. And and, and a full recession is not priced into valuations and, and markets. So that would be the the main issue. Obviously, at the time when reserves are coming down as the Fed continues to normalise its balance sheet, market's very correlated to that. What causes the upside? Well, I think it has to come from the Fed. It has to come from you know good, okay services data, a calling of the labour market, you know a couple of good um, uh, lower CPI numbers, which causes the Fed to say you know what well, for next year we might hold off a little bit, and then the market rallies, and then you get the FOMO capital chasing it. That probably be my thesis. What do you think? You know, I'm I'm with you there, and I and I have to say that that I I am focused on the downside. We will be showing you, and I'll be showing you specifically a chart that has my attention specifically here in just a few minutes. But um, I agree with you. I think uh, upside is going to be harder, and it has to be Fed induced. There, we have to start to see data weaken. But you know, there's been so much money pumped through the through, through the economy. Uh, in the U.S. economy and the global economy at that, Chris, for the last so many years. I don't know if economic data is about ready to roll over yet, but but earnings might be that next shoe to drop. So really good conversation. Uh, and I think we will have to hit on that a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, there's loads of geopolitical risks that we can we can we can look at and and yeah. keep an eye yes. on. But uh, yeah, obviously, the market's not trading like they're going to happen anytime soon, which 
for the sake of humanity is obviously what we, we, we want hope. to see as well. So anyway, let's go to that as a setup. Let's have a look at some of the charts that uh, are on our mind right now. Well, Blake, you were selling some dollars this week, and, and obviously the one that everyone focuses on is on euro dollar. So let's have a look, a quick look, a look at the setup there. We've got this bearish channel, hence my headline there, channel of my inner bear, which is a work of genius, obviously. Um, but you can see that obviously price really for the whole of the year has been making this series of lower lows, lower highs. It's been working beautifully within this channel. I wanted to get it up into the 50-day moving average, which um, you can see is that kind of red moving average there. Um, and 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 really, we're you know, I was talking to you know to clients yesterday about the idea that you know if you want to sort of wait for a little bit more of a move move higher than you know into the top of the channel into the 50-day moving average which has been a really good trend filter for Mitchell the whole of the year was the place to go the other thing that I look at from a mean reversion move is, is as you can see at the bottom there um, I'm looking at the percentage difference this is a, an indicator which I've created on, on TradingView I want to look at the percentage relative to uh, its 50-day moving average and you can see that got down to 4.6% discount um, which is probably the, the the most it's been it's been pulled away since 2021 or 2012 20. Uh, and we were just ready for a bit of mean reversion. That that's now closed. Um, so I think this is this. It, we, we, you know, few, few sellers coming into into euro dollar here, but it continues to work well in this in this bearish channel. How are you seeing this one? Well, first of all, parity acted like an an absolute like you know when you have magnets and you turn them inverse and they like they push away from each other. That was exactly how that magnetism worked against parity. As we pushed up there, we fell right back down. And I think just above parity, that channel resistance comes in right around 1.0050 based on the chart that I have. Mm. But, you know, right around there, I think you sell into it. And and um, and obviously, if we make a break above there, uh, that's going to be bullish. You know, one thing I know, I know you're not talking about the euro right now, but you have to watch the sterling. The sterling has been very strong. Yeah, and I called it terribly last around. week in my play of the day. I mean, it's yeah. I, I, hey, I, I tried. I tried selling the pound. Uh, the pound uh, Aussie too, and and that did not work for me. So look, I, I think we got to keep an eye on that and the euro. But I like the channel. The channel is very well respected, Chris, yeah. and very mature. But again, yeah. look, dollars are the, the hedge. They are the head de jour. If, if 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 you're long equities and you want to hedge your portfolio, the most negatively correlated asset to that is the dollar. So your long dollars. If equity markets keep going up, the dollar's going to be those dollar hedges are going to be rolled off. Euro dollar's going to go up. So to get us sharply higher into 102 over time, that S and P needs to push that five percent higher, and, and those dollar hedges are going to roll off as as that trade there. So that's that's a really interesting setup for me. Well, okay. Let's speaking of setups. Let's talk about being short dollars. Now, I'm already short some dollar rand, but I love this chart, and and it's because and it is an ascending wedge. Ascending wedges, by definition, are are reversal patterns, and like just a descending wedge would be a reversal pattern for a bull. This is a reversal pattern for a bear. Now, what's really interesting is you 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 can see the very top of that chart. There's a blue line that's diagonal, and it's pointing from left to right a little lower. If you look out on a weekly basis and connect the, the the lower trend line, the upper trend line, you actually have this longer term weekly triangle that's very symmetrical, that's building. So what that means is the top of that channel should not be broken. Now, today's lows came in at 17, I believe 1755. And this is a setup. A break below that 1755 would ignite a, a, a you know a, a new pattern or a, a ascending wedge reversal, but that would also have to coincide with a risk rally that we are currently in right now. So mm. that's a setup. 
That's something that I'm looking at. And I look at, even, even though I'm short this, Chris, I look at a setup to add to new positions or add to positions just like I never even owned the position. So if I was freshly just looking to get in, below 1755 is what I'm looking at. What do you think about this one? Yeah, it needs work, doesn't it? But um, again, I mean, this is kind of like, um, you know, these high beta plays of if the equity market's going to go up, credit spreads are going to uh, are going to narrow, then, um, yeah, the SAF is probably a really good place to be because you're getting, I mean, the, the US dollar gives you carry and that's kind of why it's a magical currency because it gives you that safety better than any other currency, but it also gives you, you get some carry, you know, the funds love it because they get paid to be in a position, uh, but you get paid more to be in the South African rand. So, you, you know, if, if we are seeing, you know, volatility reduced, equity markets rally, you know, the SAF is a really good place to be, not just because of commodity exposure, but because, you know, generally it's that carry exposure as well that benefits from lower vol. So, yeah, tell me where the equity market is going to go, Blake, which we've discussed, and I'll tell you where this pair's going. If equity markets find another two to three for four, five percent, the equity, the, the, this, this pattern completes, and you've got a, a downside move. And, and your book is going to benefit nicely from that position there. So we'll see what happens. One thing we are watching is crude. Now, crude had a nice move uh, overnight with the uh, with OPEC Plus coming out and and detailing that they are looking to cut output production. Sorry, output quotas, quotas not production, quotas. That's an interesting uh, issue. And you've got to make that distinction between the two. Most uh, OPEC nations at the moment are running at maximum capacity. They are not produ- sorry, are, they're not producing what their quotas are doing. Um, so they are told that they're going to cut back on quotas by 2 million uh, barrels per day. Um, but will actually production be affected by that situation? It seems that the Saudis and the UAE are probably going to have to do most of that down move as well. Um, but yeah, obviously the, we saw Brent prices moving a little bit higher. I've got the crude here. Uh, U.S. crude prices, which again, similar. You want to you want to bring me a wedge, Blake? I've given you a, a reverse wedge that you can see here. Now we've broken through that. It it needs a bit of work to get through that that horizontal resistance, that supply zone around ninety thirty two, um, but it needs to break that fifty day moving average. It's looking quite constructive as a trade. So there's two questions, Blake. How do you trade this? Do you continue to go along for the ride? Do you, do you add on length above uh, if and when we break through that ninety? Do you fade it now? And ultimately, is crude going up good for asset markets and, and the broader economy more broadly? Well, I, that's first of all, your second question is a really good question. But I have to I have to say this. You know, I pointed out crude, this Gartley pattern that eventually would go to 75. I got I got some pushback. Some mm. people commented and said, no, it's not. No way. On this show a couple months ago that it was never going to see 75. Well, we got to 76 and a quarter. So you're right. I wasn't, I was wrong. We didn't make it to 75, but we've shown a big reverse on your right. It's a descending wedge and that's a bullish reversal. 90.50 is the level I'm looking at. I see you're looking at 90.32. I think if it breaks through that, I think the next target is actually the 200 day moving average, which takes us closer to like $99 a barrel, somewhere around there. So I like crude here. And and now to answer your question, is is bullish crude bullish for risk? I think it is until it's not. Yeah. I disagree. Meaning, I, I, I think, yeah, I think the market market knows it's going to be bad because anything that any any commodity going up is probably inflationary. But are they prepared to sell stocks because of rising crude? And I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think that's the case at these levels. We start getting back above a hundred, and then the market may not like that so much. Yeah. That, but that that would be my that my my opinion on crude. Yeah. Um, I want to turn it over to the S and P, and uh, you know, talking about the. The uh, where's the next 10%? I agree with you. And you can see in that chart, 
Chris, I really do agree with you. You know, the big level on the way down for the S&P was around 3,900. 3,900 was a a previous 618 retracement. And I believe that previous support is going to act as current resistance. Uh, My colleagues and I, we we were looking for a rally in the S&P last week, at the end of last week, for a move back to 3,900. I think that's in play. Now, this is a setup. This show is about a setup, <laughs> and what I'm looking to do is sell into strength. Yeah, maybe Friday, possibly Monday on weak data. So yeah. if we do get some weaker jobs data and the market cheers it, I am looking to fade that rally into about 3,900. Yeah, maybe you know 3,950. What are your thoughts? I think I like that as well, mate. Setup? I mean, if I think about tactically. Um, if we get a weak payrolls number, and I've got no, you know, it may, it may be very strong. In which case, if you get a four hundred thousand on payrolls, I think yeah, equities roll over big time and dollar rallies. Um, but if we were to see something that that, that gives that the unemployment rate moves up, I talk about wages and bits and pieces. Like you could easily see the equity market going up into that thirty nine hundred, and then what what would cause it to roll over was the Fed coming out and coming out and saying, look, we need to do more work. You know, this is good, but we still got a lot of work to go. One number does not make a trend, in which case the equity market starts selling off, and we start you know repricing the terminal rate again. So that that would be the reason why fundamentally uh, we, we we probably play out in, in that thesis. So yeah, I still think that this is a bear market rally at best, you know, from very very dour sentiment. Um, for me, if you're looking at, uh, at this, uh, yeah, and if it can, if it breaks through 3,900, we get a FOMO-induced trend rally. Fine, go along for that. But we haven't got there yet. It feels to me that the probably the the easiest trade or the most logical trade is to sell strength. And everyone goes, where'd you sell strength? Well, yeah, um, that's that's we react to price moves and price pressures playing through. But yeah, I still think this is a rally. That we uh, this is a market where we sell rallies into. I think that's probably the one. Anyway, let's. I, um, I think that's uh, that, that's covered a few grounds, a few charts that we go to. I want to look at uh, the play of the day in Mr. Blake Morrow's head. Blake, I want to touch on uh, Aussie Kiwi. My sterling trade last week got stopped out. It wasn't a great trade, um, but that's obviously the risks you have there. What does make a lot of sense to me now is, is Aussie Kiwi. The the, Aus, the RBA were, were were the first central banks to go 25 basis points. The terminal rate pricing in Australia is at 3.6%. To me, that's way too high. I think the, the terminal rate is, is is should be around 3.1%. If we have a look at relative terms of trade, iron ore has been collapsing, and I think that's going to feed through. Uh, you can have a look at real uh, relative rate settings. All of these factors, for me, tell me that the Aussie should underperform the Kiwi dollar going forward. If it, I haven't got the chart here, but if you have a look at the, the, the everyone should pull up a daily chart of, of, of Aussie Kiwis and, and have a look at uh, where we are since 2015. We're right at the top end of that range. So you've got a factor of you know, Aussie hitting rates pricing being rich, um, terms of trade underperforming in Australia, prices down. I think we go through that that uptrend that you can see there, that horizontal resistance uh, support at 112.56. Uh, I like this fundamentally. I think Aussie Kiwi goes much lower from here and in, in that factor there. So that's my play of the day. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people in the Forex analytics community are going to be happy to hear you liking that as well, your my play call of the last day week, the probably, They're probably disappointed. I'm like the, uh, the short-term uh, uh, Jim Cramer. <laughs> Look, look, <laughs> look, we all we all have good calls. We all have bad calls. That's just part of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, last week I dipped into uh, I dipped into gold. I went a little gold digging, if you remember that one. Mm. Well, this this uh, this uh, this play of the day is not high ho silver. It's hey ho silver. 
Hey, hey, ho. Is it? Uh, yeah. No, nothing. Crickets. That's it. Okay. Anyway, so we got, <laughs> we saw this really big move the other day. It was like a seven, eight percent rally in in silver. And guess what? We consolidated today. And I love when I see big moves like that because you know what big moves usually mean. Big moves in one direction usually mean more big moves in that same direction. If you're an Elliott wave person, that's an impulsive type of move. So that move to the 38% retracement, which took us to 2116, stopped right at the 38% retracement. Mm. We came back to the breakout point at 20. As long as we continue to hold above 20, I think we're going to get another continuation move, another uh, move higher, quite possibly. Take us past the 200-day moving average at the at the at the $22 level, and maybe as high as $22.26, maybe even up towards $23. Bucks. Chris, that's going to be my play of the day. Hey, ho. Right, how was how was that? How was that move on Tuesday? Eight percent or so? That was crazy, yeah, crazy, was crazy, crazy. So there was some some crazy. clear. That was the sound of short covering coming through, Marcus. Anyway, that's the show today. Glad to uh, to be joined back in Melbourne with Mr. Blake Morrow and with you guys as well. Leave your comments. Anything there's anything that's going on. How you're playing payrolls? How you're playing CPI? How you're playing the dollar? How you're playing equities? Where's the 10%? Is it up or down? All of those factors which we covered today. We want to hear your comments. Give us a like button because we know you love it and we love you liking it as well. Anyway, we'll see you back next week for more of The Trade-Off. 